Chapter Twenty of Peggy Raymond's Vacation by Harriet Lummis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty, Home Sweet Home. Joy cometh in the morning. At two little cottage, white-faced, sad-hearted girls had crept upstairs to bed, and some of them had slept and waked moaning, and others had lain wide-eyed and still through the long hours thankful for the relief of tears which now and then ran down their hot cheeks and wet their pillows but when the dawn came nature had its way and the last watcher fell into the heavy sleep of exhaustion apparently they all waked at once downstairs was a clamour of uplifted voices strange choking cries sounds that almost made their hearts stop beating and then above the tumult a shrill fretful pipe that to the strained ears of the listeners was the sweetest of all music make hobo stop aunt peggy he's a-tickling me with his tongue pandemonium reigned in dolittle cottage there was a wild rush of white-robed figures for the hall just as a girl in a dress that had once been white and with dark circles under her eyes came flying up the stairs peggy forgot her aching limbs and weariness in the transport of that moment and then there was a little time of silence broken only by the sound of happy sobbing and everybody was kissing everybody else without assigning any especial reason and laughing through glad tears the appearance of mrs cole with dorothy in her arms was the signal for another outbreak and perhaps dorothy's manifest ill-humor was fortunate on the whole for something of the sort was needed to bring the excited household down to the wholesome plane of everyday living camping out did not agree with dorothy she had caught a slight cold from her wetting and her night's rest had been far from satisfactory and now to be seized and passed from hand to hand like a box of candy while people kissed and cried over her was too much for her long-tried temper she screamed and struggled and finally put a stop to further affectionate demonstrations by slapping amy with one hand while with the other she knocked off aunt abigail's spectacles she's tired to death poor little angel cried mrs cole generously ignoring the fact that dorothy's conduct was the reverse of angelic she wants to get to bed and to sleep and so do the rest of you before lucy and me have the lot sick on our hands oh i couldn't sleep protested peggy and i want to wait till jerry comes and find out if he stopped joe from sending that telegram and we're dying to hear everything that's happened amy cried and besides i'm afraid to go to sleep for fear i'll dream that this is only a dream but mrs cole was firm and lucy haynes who had come to the cottage before sunrise added her entreaties to the older woman's insistence then everybody discovered that peggy was very pale and dorothy did some more slapping and mrs cole's motion was carried although every girl of them and aunt abigail as well had protested her utter inability to sleep it was not fifteen minutes before absolute quiet reigned in the second story of the cottage wheels ground up the driveway again and again and penetrating if kindly voices made inquiries under the open windows but none of the sleepers waked till noon 
jerry morton coming to report the success of his mission was more than a little disappointed not to secure an immediate interview with peggy but lucy who was peeling potatoes in anticipation of the time when hunger should act as an alarm clock in the hushed second story bade him sit down and wait i know she'll want to see you she was so worried for fear the news would get to her mother well it came mighty near it i can tell you joe was just ahead of me when i got in he was saying to the operator rush this will you and i grabbed his coat and said nix jerry's tired face lighted up with satisfaction and lucy regarded him rather enviously it seemed to her that jerry was getting more than his share he had found the castaways and had spared friendly terrace the shock of the mistaken news while lucy with equally good will was forced to content herself with peeling potatoes and like humble services how did you ever come to think of looking for them she asked wishing that the happy idea had occurred to her instead of to jerry i didn't twas a stroke of luck jerry told the story of his night's wandering a recital as interesting to himself as to lucy for as yet he had hardly time to formulate the record of what had happened before they had exhausted the fascinating theme there were sounds overhead which told that the late sleepers were at last astir they kept open house at doolittle cottage that afternoon the country community aroused by the news of the supposed tragedy and then by the word that all was well gave itself up to rejoicing vehicles of every description creaked up the driveway bringing whole families to offer their congratulations though farm work was pressing mr silas robbins drove over with his wife and daughter and patted peggy's shoulder and pinched dorothy's cheek luckily a morning bed had done much to restore dorothy to her normal mood and though she bestowed a withering glance upon the gentleman who had taken this liberty she did not retaliate in the fashion peggy feared couldn't think of letting you get drowned you know remarked mr robbins with ponderous humor a girl who can speechify the way you can might get to be president some day if the woman's rights folks should win out i don't say concluded mr robbins with the air of making a great concession that i mightn't vote for you myself mr smart too dropped in to secure additional information for the write-up which he informed peggy would appear in the next issue of the weekly arena though but a country editor said mr smart feelingly i believe that the press ought to be reliable and i'm doing my part to make it so no yellow journalism in the arena and he showed a little natural disappointment on discovering that even this assurance did not reconcile peggy to the prospect of figuring as a newspaper heroine one of the surprises of the day was mrs snook's appearance never since her education had been taken in hand by the occupants of doolittle cottage had she darkened its doors but now she came smiling and with evident determination to regard bygones as bygones for when she had expatiated at some length on the effect of elisha's harrowing news upon her nerves and repeated in great detail what she had said to mr snooks and what mr snooks had said to her she gave a crowning proof of magnanimity now i've got to be getting back home mr snooks is a wonderful good-natured man but he likes his victuals on time same as most men folks i wonder if you could lend me a loaf of bread i was just that worked up this morning that i didn't get round to set sponge 
the bread-box was well filled thanks to mrs cole and peggy insisted on accompanying mrs snooks to the kitchen and picking out the largest loaf she also suggested that mrs snooks should take home a sample of the new breakfast food they all like so much as they parted on the doorstep peggy was sure that the last shadow of their misunderstanding had lifted for mrs snooks turned to say i got a new cookie cutter from the tin peddler the other day real pretty and any time you'd like to use it you're perfectly welcome even then the surprises of the eventful day were not over for late in the afternoon when the kindly strangers occupying the porch chairs were just announcing that they guessed they'd have to move on two figures came up the walk at a swinging pace ruth who was a little in the background was the first to notice them and she was on her feet in a moment with a glad cry there was a general movement in the direction of the new arrivals but ruth was the first to reach them oh graham you don't know yes i've heard all about it graham said in a voice not quite natural the two boys on their way back to the city had stopped for dinner at the farmhouse where peggy had taken breakfast and had been favored with all the details of what jack called the near tragedy though his effort at facetiousness was far from expressing his real feelings it was distinctly disappointing to the girls to find that their visitors planned to continue their trip next morning my vacation's up saturday explained jack rinson and graham thinks he's loafed as long as he should and elaine is going to-morrow sighed peggy i almost wish she checked herself abruptly dear old friendly terrace amy murmured seems as if we'd been away a year well we'll be starting in ten days or so said priscilla with an air of trying to make the best of things peggy flashed a surprised glance about the circle girls why girls i believe we'd all like to go home to-morrow then let's there was no doubt as to the popularity of the suggestion the strain of those few hours when shadows darker than those of night hung over doolittle cottage had implanted in the hearts of all the longing for home in the clamor of eager voices there was no dissent only questioning whether so hasty a departure were possible and when this was decided in the affirmative hilarity reigned you must all stay to supper peggy declared overflowing in joyous hospitality there won't be enough of anything to go round but there's any amount of things that must be eaten graham and jack accepted the invitation as a matter of course and lucy and jerry yielded after considerable insistence on peggy's part and on the faces which surrounded the dinner-table lengthened for the occasion by an extra leaf there was little to call to mind the black dream of the night it was an unusual supper in many ways there were only half a dozen ears of corn and the lima beans served out a teaspoon to a plate it was understood that whoever preferred sardines to corned beef might have his choice but that it was a breach of etiquette to take both however since several varieties of jellies and preserves graced the table and there was an abundance of mrs cole's delicious bread both white and brown there was no danger that any one would rise from the meal with his hunger unsatisfied peggy was busy planning while she ate oh dear what in the world am i going to do with hobo i won't leave him without a home that's sure and i don't know what taffy'll say to me if i bring back another dog i'll take him off your hands said jack rinson 
peggy leaned toward him with shining eyes really and you would like him for i don't want you to take him just to oblige me jack made haste to defend himself against such a charge his home it seemed was on the outskirts of the city and his mother sometimes complained that it was lonely and would be glad jack was sure of a good watchdog and i'll get graham to give him a certificate on that score concluded jack with a meaning smile in the direction of his friend who was always easily teased by references to the time when hobo had rushed to the defence of graham's sister against graham himself oh that's such a load off my mind peggy declared he can go home with you to-morrow can't he and now there's one thing more and that's his name yes jack looked a little puzzled i named him myself and i've been ashamed of it ever since for he never was a tramp dog really he wanted a home all the time and people of his own to love and protect and be faithful to and if you don't mind before he goes i'd like to change his name to hero the emphasis on the last word roused hobo who was sleeping in the next room perhaps his ear was not sufficiently trained to the niceties of the english language to distinguish between this name and the other by which he had been addressed all summer but that as it may in an instant he was at peggy's elbow looking up into her face and wagging his tail i believe he knows cried peggy while the table shouted the new name was unanimously endorsed and with his rechristening peggy's canine protege discarded the last survival of his life as a wanderer and now about the chickens continued peggy whose face had lost its look of weariness and overflowing satisfaction i'm going to give them to you lucy i'm sorry there's only three of them but two amy interrupted in a plaintive undertone from the other side of the table peggy stared what has anything happened to freckles no he's all right and so's the yellow hen of course but peggy the other chicken has disappeared lucy noticed this morning that it was gone and when all those people were here she and i hunted everywhere and the old hen keeps on scratching and clucking just the same peggy's countenance reflected the disgust of amy's voice it isn't much of a gift lucy that yellow hen is really the worst apology for a mother i ever imagined freckles is a nice chicken but he's got some very bad faults he will come into the house whenever the screen door is left open and he seems to have a perfect mania for picking shoe buttons and shoestrings i suppose it's because of the way he's been brought up but he's so fond of human society that he makes a perfect nuisance of himself chicken pie would cure all those faults suggested graham and they all laughed again at peggy's expression of horror didn't you tell me they'd bring forty cents a pound the young man persisted teasingly yes but that was before i got acquainted with them i couldn't turn even the yellow hen into chicken pie much as i dislike her the wonder to me peggy ended thoughtfully is that anybody ever makes money out of raising chickens between the supper and the early bedtime there was much to be done trunks were packed except for the bedding and similar articles which could not be dispensed with before the morning the remnants of the groceries were bestowed on mrs nooks and some matters which the girls did not have time to attend to were left in charge of the capable mrs cole against everybody's protest peggy insisted on running over to the cole farmhouse to say good-bye graham acted as her escort and the two were admitted by rosetta muriel 
at the sight of whom peggy gave an involuntary start do you like it asked rosetta muriel immediately interested the fair hair which she usually arranged so elaborately was parted and drawn back rather primly over her ears giving her face a suggestion of refinement which was becoming if a little misleading peggy was glad she could answer in the affirmative indeed i do the simple styles are so pretty i think there was a picture of adelaide lacey in the paper with her hair done this way she's going to marry a duke you know it was characteristic of rosetta muriel thus to excuse her lapse into simplicity but though the ingenuous explanation was the truth it was not the whole truth even rosetta muriel was not quite the same girl for having come in contact with peggy raymond and her poor little undeveloped unlovely self was reaching out gropingly to things a shade higher than those which hitherto had satisfied her the news of the hasty departure was magically diffused amy said afterward that she began to understand what they meant when they talked about wireless telegraphy for as the stage rattled and bumped along the dusty highway the next morning the figures appeared at the windows handkerchiefs fluttered and hands were waved in greeting and farewell in many a harvest field too work halted briefly while battered hats swung above the heads of the wearers as a substitute for a good-bye and at the station to the girls astonishment quite a company had collected in honour of their departure graham and jack had deferred their start till they had put the girls on the train and they regarded the gathering in amazement sure they're not waiting for a circus train graham demanded are you responsible for all this rather looks to me jack as if we weren't quite as indispensable as we fancied the stage was never early and the girls hardly had time to make the rounds before the whistle of the train was heard come back next summer cried mrs cole catching peggy in her arms and giving her a motherly squeeze i declare it'll make me so homesick to drive by the cottage with you girls gone i shan't know how to stand it peggy was saying good-bye all over again but she saved her two special favorites for the last now lucy she cried her hands upon the shoulders of the pale girl whose compressed lips showed the effort she was making for self-control you must write me now and then i want to know just how you're getting along yes i'll write lucy promised but you mustn't worry about me i'm not going to get discouraged again no matter what happens the train was coming to a snorting halt and peggy had time for just one more word good-bye jerry don't forget the girl scrambled aboard followed by a chorus of good-byes what's this old home week asked an interested old gentleman dropping his newspaper and crossing the aisle to get a better view of the crowd on the platform and meanwhile amy was tugging at the window crying excitedly oh help me quick peggy or it'll be too late the window yielded to the girl's combined persuasion amy's camera appeared in the opening and a little click sounded just as the train began to move oh i hope it'll be good cried amy whose successes and failures had been so evenly balanced that her attitude toward each new effort was one of hopeful uncertainty it would be so nice to have something to remember them by but peggy looking back on the station platform was sure that she needed no aid to remembrance amy's camera might be out of focus and the plate blurred and indistinct as so often happened 
but the picture of those upturned friendly faces was printed upon peggy's heart a lasting possession well old man it was jack rinson speaking over graham's shoulder guess we might as well start come on hobo beg pardon hero and the dog who was whimpering watched the train which bore peggy out of sight only restrained by jack's hand on his collar from rushing in pursuit yielded to the inevitable and followed his new master with the curious loyalty which does not change no matter how often its object changes the people were breaking up into groups of twos and threes and moving away but lucy haynes and jerry stood motionless their gaze following the vanishing speck which was the southbound train then slowly lucy's head turned she had never been friendly with jerry morton she had shared the disapproval of the community intensified by her inherent inability to understand the temperament so unlike her own yet all at once she found herself feeling responsible for him to be helped means an obligation to help at least to unselfish natures she went toward jerry half reluctantly but when she was near enough to see that he was swallowing hard apparently in the effort to remove some obstruction in his throat which would not down the discovery seemed to create a bond between them her voice was eager and sympathetic as she said it's fine that you're going to start school again jerry and if i can help you with anything i'll be glad to she hesitated and then in spite of her natural reserve she added we mustn't disappoint her either of us jerry had to swallow yet again before he could reply but his answer rang out with a manful sincerity which would have gladdened peggy's heart had she heard it disappoint her not on your life end of chapter twenty and end of peggy raymond's vacation or friendly terrace transplanted by harriet lummis smith read by darrell war in the valley of the heart's delight california u s a